from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Uh, Anheuser Bush, the folks at Anheuser Bush, St. Louis know what they're doing and have been doing it for 100 years and do it very well. Uh, but that lager is marketed to a the widest array of people. And so uh, it has to uh, offend less people. And so it has less bitterness and less overall flavor. I love the ability to adapt and manipulate our ingredients and just, just have that ability to uh, keep moving forward and innovate. So you're able to wing it. I mean, you compared this almost to baking earlier I versus, know, I know. versus cooking. I feel like you can't <laughs> wing know. it when you're baking. There's, I know, and that's what's so strange. It's like there's still an, a middle ground with it and it does get a little tricky. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis has always been a lager town. That's the bold declaration that kicks off a story this month from our friends at Sauce Magazine. Yet this style of beer doesn't always get its due. In the past decade, trendy breweries have been more likely to pursue IPAs or imperial stouts. And that, says Sauce Magazine, is a mistake. The magazine argues that the lager isn't just a, quote, smooth, endlessly malleable brew built on centuries of tradition. It's also a sort of benchmark for quality, as measured by brewers and customers alike. And joining us today to explain more are two brewers with expertise in this underrated style. Drew Durish is a brewer at Side Project Brewing. That's the acclaimed brewery in Maplewood. Drew, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And we're also joined today by Kyle Cole Morgan. He's the head brewer at Well Spent Brewery in Midtown St. Louis. Kyle, welcome. Hi, great to be here. So, Kyle, give us the basics. What makes a lager a lager? Well, in in just very technical but broad terms, uh, the difference between a lager and ale is kind of the species of yeast that ferments it. It's uh, very similar to ale yeast, but it's uh, fermented colder, cleaner, and, um, and longer generally than ale. So um, uh, what you end up with is less of a fermentation profile and more of a clean uh, character in the end. So for somebody who doesn't know much about beer, um, what would be some popular lagers that might help orient them? We can start with uh, all of Anheuser-Busch products. You know, that's uh, those all or most of those beers are, especially the big brands, are all um, lagers. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can kind of expand from there. Uh, St. Louis is uh, a great place to uh, talk about examples because we have a lot of great examples here. Drew, I'm curious, what made St. Louis such a key town for lagers? Obviously, Budweiser products are huge. Was there something about this city that made the lager make sense? Well, I think, again, we saw such an influx of uh, German immigration in the mid-19th century that they ended up bringing a lot of the German techniques with them. And kind of new to the world at the time was the lagering process, that low, slow, cold fermentation and maturation. And so as such, we kind of picked up on it. And then with the advent and the reigning in of Anheuser-Busch, bringing them into the fold, uh, they really transformed the town. Hmm. So this has been such a signature thing for St. Louis, but I understand this is not an easy beer to brew. Kyle, what makes this more difficult than some of the styles that beer snobs like to talk up? Uh, I think uh, uh, brewers like to refer to the lager as kind of a naked style where you don't have really a whole lot of other flavors to hide behind. So, um, you know, you don't have a, a, a big slug of hops or malt flavors to um, cover up uh, uh, technical imperfections, I'll say. And so um, you really have to be, um, have to be on it 
to uh, to make a clean, uh, beautiful, balanced lager, and uh, there's nothing behind it. Hmm. So, Drew, if you make a lager and you mess up, it sounds like everybody can taste it. Oh, yeah. Down the drain. Get rid of it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> You've spoken like a brewer there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, you know, I always kind of liken it to baking versus cooking. They still both require that kind of delicate balance of, of science and art. Uh, and a lot of people who are phenomenal cooks seem to struggle a little bit with baking and vice versa. So it's, it's something where you need to be precise. You need to be methodical with how you act. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, can, it comes out very transparently in the finished product. So when is a lager is off, uh, what kind of taste does that leave somebody sipping it with? Uh, you know, sometimes it maybe maybe we're more critical of our own product. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. how most people operate. Uh, but you, there's just these kind of off yeast notes. I mean, anything from diacetyl, which we all kind of perceive as a buttery or butterscotch character, um, to if 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 the balance of the hops, if the malt character wasn't proper, then you're just getting these off. Would it be vegetal? Uh, whether it be too bitter, it's just, uh, as Kyle said, it's a very naked style, and it, and it is that kind of baking right of keeping it very balanced, keeping it clean, and being very uh, deliberate with your actions. Hmm. So this does sound really hard. Kyle, in light of that, where did this impression come from that these are cheap beers or that these are beers that, that lacked craft? Well, I, you know, a few decades of marketing will do it. I think that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mass-marketed beers over the last 50 years have been marketed either as lager or specifically Pilsner. Mm. And, um, and those American lagers, um, you know, while they're uh, technically excellent beers, I mean, the uh, uh, Anheuser-Busch, the folks at Anheuser-Busch and St. Louis know what they're doing and have been doing it for 100 years and do it very well. Uh, but that lager is, or is marketed to a, the widest array of people. And so uh, it has to uh, offend less people. And so it has you know, less bitterness and less overall flavor. And so that, uh, again, times 50 years of marketing, um, kind of makes people associate lager with that one particular beer. Hmm. That makes sense. And what you guys are both doing is so different than that. Drew, I'm, I'm curious what it's like manufacturing these lagers on such a smaller scale than what Anheuser-Busch is doing. Oh, I love the flexibility of it. I mean, we have access to such fun, unique new ingredients, and, and it's not even necessarily about overcomplicating it, but we can pivot very easily. I mean, half the time we can, we can pivot so much so it's like, okay, this is gonna go a slightly different direction. You know, you're still leaning on the kind of artistic aspect of it. If you're tasting it halfway through, it's like, you know what I would like to do? Uh, we just have the ability to pivot very well. And it does make for fun. Like, <laughs> I, you know, it is a job, but I absolutely love it. And I do still wanna have some fun with it. And granted it's beer, so it's, it's fun. There's no question about that. But I love the ability to adapt and manipulate our ingredients and just just have that ability to uh, keep moving forward and innovate. So you're able to wing it. I mean, you compared this almost to baking earlier versus, I know, I know. versus cooking. I feel like you can't <laughs> wing know. it when you're baking. There's, I know. And that's what's so strange is like there's still an, a middle ground with it and it does get a little tricky. But by and large, you know, you have your hot side process, which is the actual brew day. And then your cold side, which is all the, the lagering time, the conditioning. And pretty much once you've got it in the tank is when your hands really get tied. And so you can have a little bit of winging it. You know, there's still room for flexibility. But at the same time, everything gets kind of locked in. And you just want to make sure that your process is clean, deliberate. Uh, and yeah, again, methodical to reuse the term. Kyle, I understand you have an engineering background. Hearing Drew talk about winging it, uh, does the engineer and you just, just rise up in horror? 
Uh, no, I mean part of the part of this uh, endeavor for me was was kind of the the blending of art and science. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, there. Uh, I think when brewers say wing it, we still are we still have a game plan. We just you know we can we can make that game plan and change it, uh, uh, you know, at a certain point. So, but we still are are, are uh, fastest note takers. We uh, we uh, make sure that our technical specs are in order, especially before anyone else drinks it. And so there's a there's a always a method behind the madness. Uh, and especially with good lager brewers, I feel like um, they all have that technical ability, but can also weave in that art. That's what really makes uh, beer in general beautiful, especially at this scale, is um, having the technical ability to produce something that you uh, you saw in the beginning. We're talking lagers today with Kyle Cole Morgan. He's the head brewer at Wellspent Brewing in Midtown. We're also talking to Drew Durish. He's a brewer at Side Project Brewing in Maplewood. Drew, I want to talk about Side Project's newest lager. This was apparently canned just a few days ago. It's called Slap Concert. First, I got to ask about that name. What's a, what's a slap concert? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did a deep dive on that one and found out that it's so the, the beer itself is a Vienna lager. So it's a malt-forward, uh, malt-driven lager, which is to say a lot of the flavor and character comes from the, the use of malts, with the hops kind of playing a uh, second fiddle, pun very much intended. But Slap Concert was based off of, there was a third Viennese school of musicians, uh, and part of them was uh, Arthur Schoenberg. And supposedly they created a concert that was so offensive that the best noise heard all night was a slap. And so it got known as the Scandal Concert or the Slap Concert. And I said, that sounds like a beer name. <laughs> so, so we rolled with that one. It's a great beer name. And I got to say, oh, going into this conversation, I did not know that I would get an education on Viennese <laughs> musical history. I appreciate this. I take naming seriously because it's the most difficult thing to do. <laughs> so that, uh, that's the slap concert. Kyle, I'm curious what you've been brewing um, in the last couple of days. Yeah, so we, uh, we have uh, one mainstay lager we call Keller Pills. It's um, uh, basically an unfiltered lager. Uh, quite clear, but still has a little bit of haze to it because we don't have a filter in the brewery. And then off that beer, we uh, uh, we like to have uh, seasonal or or kind of uh, time period based styles. We're actually brewing a Vienna Lager in July for the for the fall season. And right now, uh, coming in a few weeks, we have what we call light. It's our um, it's our ode to old St. Louis Lager. It's uh, as rice and corn, but to kind of mix it up a little bit, we use pop, organic popcorn from a, a local farm. Um, we pop ourselves, you know, eight ounces at a time in an air popper. Wow. So am I going to detect a, a, an essence of popcorn as I'm drinking this one? You know, it's it, like Drew said, these styles are very subtle and, and flavor differences can be very subtle. But I like the, uh, the popcorn um, that we use because versus kind of the industrial corn that we could, we could use, um, there is a little bit of a flavor difference. And um, uh, again, subtle, but also uh, it's still a light lager, American-style light lager, so it's very clean, and that uh, that rice brings a little bit of, of that cleanness to it. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, there's, again, little subtleties, but I think it's worth it. We, you know, we have to pop popcorn for about 10 days before brew day, so we wouldn't do it if it wouldn't be worth it. Wow, I, I want to hang out at your brewery. So you guys are, are popping <laughs> popcorn to get ready for this process. Yeah, if you if you want to come in and pop popcorn, we'd be more than happy to have you. <laughs> yeah, I guess I've just landed a new side job. I love this. Drew, hearing about popcorn as an ingredient, is there anything that you guys have been using at Side Project that might blow my mind in, a, in an equally exciting way? You know, honestly, we, 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 for the most part, just rely. We're terrible trendsetters. We don't really know trends very well. We just kind of end up brewing a lot of what we like. And 
I think a lot of what we've kind of based our beers on is just existing flavors, but still doing it the way that we want to. And so honestly, we're not very innovative in terms of a lot of the ingredients and flavors we use, but we're just trying to execute them as, as well as we can. And so on the lager front, we've definitely done some of the corn variations as well. Content Moderator was a corn lager that was kind of an amalgamation of recipes that that I'd been doing for the last several years of uh, lager brewing. And so, yeah, honestly, for the most part, we're, we're not hugely into to figuring out newer methods and ingredients, not, not in a way that we don't appreciate, but for sure that us, it's like, okay, let's just hone in and, and keep focusing on the, the beers and making them as best as we possibly can. Hmm. So in our last two minutes here today, I know this has been a hard time for the beer industry in the same way it's been a hard time for, for everybody in the food and beverage industry. Um, Kyle, for you guys over at Wellspent, uh, do you feel like you've been able to weather this pandemic? Well, we're still here. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, we see kind of the horizon um, a little bit. We, uh, you know, we're coming up on a season of good weather. We just actually this week uh, fully opened, well, uh, 50% capacity opened our, our indoor tap room. Uh, before, we just had two or three tables and seven pallets of bottles and cans and, and things kind of left over from kind of our COVID period. And so we moved all that out, moved tables back in, and they're just starting out this weekend. So we, we see a lot of positives on the horizon. We, our production schedule is full. We're making lots of beer. We're, um, uh, we're getting ready for a spring and summer that we think is going to be uh, uh, not just fun, but also uh, you know, very profitable, I guess. It, you know, we'll have, uh, have people come back. Hmm. Drew, in our final good. moments here, are, are you feeling that same sense of optimism? Absolutely. I think we've been super fortunate and very thankful for all the repeat folks that have come back here. We definitely miss seeing everyone's faces, but there certainly seems to be light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Again, we've been very fortunate that our kind of curbside program seems to be working and we've really ramped up what we're trying to crank out. But we desperately need to see human faces and have human conversations again. So as much as we love people's dogs coming through the drive-thru, we we would really like to see them personally. Well, time for some human faces maybe to try a new lager. Drew Duresh, a brewer at Side Project Brewing, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you all so much for having me. And Kyle Cormorgan, head brewer at Wellspent Brewing, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And if you want to know more about loggers, we encourage you to check out the story by our friends at Sauce Magazine that inspired this whole conversation. We'll have that on our website, stlpr.org. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.